It's through preaching that God communicates with power. God gives power to Christians who will take up the cross. And preaching helps to transfer this power of God to the Christians. Folks, I want to speak with you upon an interesting uh, subject uh, today, and that's the necessity of preaching here at our church. The necessity of preaching here at our church. Now, preaching is the strong proclamation of God's truth with an invitation to live for God. Today is PWBC Pacific West Baptist college day. We're honoring the college today and PWBC will teach you how to preach. If you come to the Bible college, you will learn how to preach something. I want to share with you. You know that I was saved in April the 6th, 1975. It's soon going to be 46 years. I was saved under preaching. It was on a Sunday morning. April the 6th, 1975, a preacher stood and he proclaimed the word of God. He had an urgent message with an invitation to live for God. And I responded on that invitation. It was approximately high noon when he gave the invitation and I came forward and that's when I was saved. So I, I was saved under the ministry of preaching. Now, having said all that, I do want to share with you that there, there has been an idea circulating amongst some Christians for 2000 years. And that idea is that preaching is not really all that necessary and that the average Christian can get by just fine without it. Now in these modern days in which we live, some people believe that there are other things available that can replace preaching. Some people replace preaching with little Bible studies. Now don't get me wrong. Little Bible studies or even great in-depth Bible studies. They're all good and they're fine in their proper place. But there comes a time when only the preaching of God's word will meet the need at hand. For example, can you imagine John the Baptist sitting down with the people of Israel, having little Bible studies with them when all along he needs to stand and raise his hand and say, thus saith the Lord repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see what I mean? And of course there are some other Christians who want to replace preaching with Christian music and singing. Please don't make a mistake. I'm not against Christian music and singing. I love it. It's part of my soul. Christian singing and music are all fine in their proper place, but there are many too many churches today where people far prefer music and Christian and, and, and singing. They prefer that to preaching. They may have an hour, an hour and a half, or even more of various kinds of singing and special music. 
And then they have 15 minutes of a little Bible study, which does basically nothing more than just say, God is good. That's about the bottom line of their Bible study. Folks, if a preacher is preaching from the Bible, then he has a message from God. And so I suggest to you that every Christian needs to be sitting under the preaching of God's word on a regular basis. And today I'd like to show you why this is so. So would you please take a moment, bow your head, close your eyes and we'll pray. Our loving heavenly father, we approach a very important subject. There is so much that you have had to say about preaching in the Bible, old and new Testament father, help us to catch a glimpse of this great subject to take it to our hearts today. Father convict us of your truth. Lead us now in Jesus name. Amen. Now this world, if you were to ask this world, their opinion of preaching, what they think of it, this world definitely is not a fan of preaching. This world does not get excited about preaching. They won't go to see it. They wouldn't go if you paid them. You see, Paul wrote in first Corinthians 1 18, he said for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. That one word summarizes what the world thinks of our preaching. This world thinks that the preaching of God's truth is foolishness, but I'll have, you know, that doesn't matter with God because God has always had his preachers. Yes. In second Peter chapter two, verse five, Peter tells us that Noah, that's Noah and the ark that Noah, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He was one of the earliest preachers in the Bible that we can point to. He was a preacher of righteousness, but what did the world of his day think of his preaching? They heard him preach. What did they think? Well, aside from Noah and his family, none of them believed what Noah had to say. None of them entered into the ark. You know, I think maybe that if those people had have gotten right with God, there would have been no flood, no flood, no geological changes to the earth. Boy, there's a huge study there as to what happened to the world when God broke up the depth below and brought down all the water from above, it just changed the world. It separated the world into continents and all kinds of things. Amazing study. Well, here's something interesting. The two words preaching and prophesying are often used Simultaneously, interchangeably, they're linked together. The Old Testament prophets, they were all preachers. Psalm 40 verse 9 says, King David was a preacher of righteousness. Hey, just like Noah. Moses was always preaching about God's truth. And he was prophesying also about things that would happen. In Jude chapter one, verse four, it says that Enoch. Now he, he was sometime before Moses, uh, before Noah, Enoch. 
prophesied and preached about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of the tribulation. Behold, he cometh with 10,000 of his saints. That's prophecy, preaching prophecy about the second coming of Jesus at the end of the tribulation. That's amazing. How did he know? Like how any prophet knows because God tells them that's how they know. Perhaps Enoch is the first, uh, the earliest example we have of a preacher of righteousness, but we don't know for sure. Jonah chapter three, verse two says that Jonah was a preacher sent to the lost people of Nineveh. In fact, all of the old Testament prophets were all preachers. This word preaching and prophesying it's, it's, it, it intermingles at times. John the Baptist, he was a preacher sent to prepare the hearts for the coming of Christ. Matthew chapter four says that Jesus Christ was a preacher seeking the lost sheep of Israel. All of the new Testament apostles, they were all preachers preaching and prophesying mixed together preaching. Oh, listen, one other example before I forget comes to mind is in Acts chapter eight during the persecution, the Christians, a lot of the Christians left Jerusalem. They scattered around the world. And what did they do? They preached the gospel. That's what they did. Acts chapter eight. I think it's verse four. They went everywhere preaching the gospel, which by the way is what the great commission is all about. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's a job that every Christian has. Now preaching is so important. It's so very important that the apostle Paul said in first Corinthians chapter nine, verse 16, he said, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me. If I preach not the gospel, isn't that amazing? Not only was it a privilege, but it was a burden upon him given by God, a necessity laid upon his heart. He had to preach the gospel. He couldn't do anything else. Woe is unto me. If I preach not the gospel back in the old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah was called of God to preach to a wayward people. And he was preaching to them. Repent. This is your last opportunity. Repent and get right with God. And he got slapped. He got stoned. He he got hit. He got abused. They called him names. He suffered persecution because of his preaching. And at one point it got to him and he said, enough of this. I'm not going to do it anymore. And in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse nine, he said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. That's what he decided to do. I'm going to quit preaching. But then it says. His word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. He had to preach. He couldn't stop. 
He had to do it. Every God-called preacher that I know of feels the same way. Oh, they could go out and get a job or maybe start a business or something, but it's not good enough. They want really just to preach the word of God. That's the burden on their heart. They're not happy unless they're preaching the word of God. They feel pent up, shut up. Something is burning inside. It's the word of God. Throughout history, God has done great and mighty things through preaching. Every revival where hundreds of thousands of people or sometimes millions of people have been saved. Every revival and every great missionary endeavor has either been started by preaching or it's been accompanied with preaching. You cannot escape the necessity of the preaching of the word of God during world war one and world war two. It was the preaching in the pulpits of the Bible believing churches back home that gave hope and courage to the families left behind when their sons and daughters went off to war and it encouraged them. And of course they would write letters to their sons on the battlefield and They'd be sending Bible verses and so on to their sons. And they were being encouraged as well. It's always been this way. It's been through preaching of the word of God. That people's lives have been changed and blessed in the new Testament. The apostle Paul wrote something very interesting. He wrote to the, the church at Thessalonica and in first Thessalonians, He wrote that book, first Thessalonians five chapters. He wrote that book to encourage them to live their lives for God, to live pleasing to God. And by the way, that's a good message for us today, isn't it? Live your life pleasing to God, live your life for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he wrote something very interesting in chapter five. In chapter five, verse 20, he said these three words, despise, not prophesyings, despise, not prophesyings. Now, someone might think, oh, Paul is referring back to chapter four, where in verses 13 to 18, he talks about the coming of the Lord Jesus. But I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them that sleep as others that have no hope. Remember all of that? That passage on the coming of the Lord Jesus, that's prophecy. That must be what he's referring to in chapter five. No, it can't be because that's encouraging. At the end, he says, wherefore encourage one another with these words. The prophecies of Christ's coming are not something that any Christian despises. No Christian that I know of despises the coming of the Lord Jesus. I know there are some Christians that believe that Jesus won't come for us until we're partway through the tribulation, but they don't despise that. There are some Christians believe that Jesus will come at the end of the tribulation, but they don't despise the coming of Jesus. And I'm glad to say there's a lot of us Christians that believe that Jesus will come for us before the tribulation. And we do not despise that prophecy. So this is not what Paul is talking about when he says, despise not prophesying. But do you remember I said to you earlier 
that oftentimes preaching and prophesying get intertwined and one is like the other. What Paul was talking about was the preaching. He said to the people at the church at Corinth, don't despise the preaching. No doubt there were some people in that church as there were in other churches of Paul's day, as there have been Christians in churches over the last 2000 years who do not see, who do not appreciate the necessity and the benefits of preaching of the word of God. Do not despise preaching. This seems to be the message here that Paul is giving. Listen, I want to quickly now give you a few reasons. I want to give you three reasons. I want to quickly give you three things that preaching from the pulpit of Grace Baptist Church will do for you. And listen, I also want to hasten to say this. Many of you listen to Christian preaching on the Christian radio station. And I'm not about to tell you not to do that, but I'm about to tell you that you need to be very careful what you expose yourself to. Unfortunately, there have been some preachers that we thought were good preachers. And now it's coming to light that they've been involved in some horrible, horrible things. And it's caused incredible damage. And I'm not going to give you the names of these preachers, but they're preaching away on the Christian radio station that you can tune in right here in this city. You need to be careful. Listen, You want to be careful who's cooking you eat. There are some great cooks, but then there are some cooks that don't cook too good. And if you go around eating from every cook, you're liable to get a tummy ache or I'll be visiting you in the hospital. You want to be careful how many cooks you're going to be eating from. Okay. And if you're part of grace Baptist church, I want to encourage you to get your main meals right here. Come here and get filled up because we got everything. We even got a Bible college. We've got it all right here under one roof. Don't buy into the lie that the grass is greener on the other side of the, of the fence. Don't buy into that because it's not the case. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. He's always thinking the grass is greener over there and he gets there and he doesn't find it so green. He says, ah, it's greener over there. And he's always looking for something that he'll never find. God has given us everything we need under one roof here. Would someone write in amen to that? Now I want to give you three benefits, three benefits that the preaching from the pulpit of our church will do for you. Number one, the preaching of God's word at our church will give you spiritual growth, spiritual growth. And I'd like to invite you now to take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10. 
Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17. Would you read it out loud with me now together, please? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Very simple formula. I think we're all well aware of it. We all want faith. We want greater faith to serve the Lord. How do we get it? We get it through the word of God. It is the will of God that every Christian grow and continue to grow, continue to grow in spiritual things. We never reach a point and stop. Never. We're always growing. We're always growing, always growing. Your faith needs to be deeper, greater, stronger today than it has ever been in your life. Your love for the word of God, your knowledge for the word of God needs to be greater than it's ever been. Your walk with Jesus needs to be closer and more consistent than it's ever been before in your life. And if it's not, you have a problem. I wonder if you've been sitting under the right preaching for long enough, because this is what preaching will do for you. The preaching, not any preaching, not any preaching, but the preaching of the word of God. And I am suggesting from the pulpit of our church. Are you saying that we have a corner on, on the truth and it's us only and no one else. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I can guarantee you the quality of what's being preached here. I cannot guarantee you the quality of the preaching you may be hearing off of Christian radio. I cannot guarantee you the quality of the preaching you may be listening to when you go on a different internet websites. We have had people leave our church. They've gotten involved with strange doctrine and they've left our church because they've been exposing themselves and sitting under the preaching of strange doctrine on the internet. And after a period of time, they say, Oh, I'm out of here. And off they go. That's so sad to see. I wonder how God feels in second Peter chapter three, verse 18. God tells us grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. And this is done through preaching. Preaching is God's first method of growing Christian men and women. Yes, he does use little Bible studies, but preaching is God's first method. Now in our text reading this morning that brother Howard read for us in Titus chapter one, verses one to three, Paul said that God manifested his word through through what? What did God manifest his word through? Do you remember? Was it little Bible studies? Was it Christian music and singing? No, it was one word. It was what? Preaching. Preaching. God manifested his word through preaching. Do you understand? The very first benefit of the preaching of God's word at our church will give you is spiritual growth. Number two. The preaching of God's word at our church will give you spiritual power, spiritual growth, spiritual power. I'd like you to turn in your Bible to the right, to the book of first Corinthians chapter one, just a few pages. Don't go too far. Chapter one. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 18. Verse number 18. I'd like to ask you once again to read that verse with me now. Here we go. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. God put his power into the preaching of the cross. Now, someone might say, oh, pastor, wait a minute, time out. Aren't we talking about salvation here? Isn't all that Paul is referring to here in verse 18 is just the power to get saved? Isn't that all it is? The answer, the short answer is no. That's the short answer is no. Listen, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, the Lord Jesus is speaking. And he said unto them, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The Lord Jesus was telling us that we need to take up our cross on a daily basis and follow him. That is preaching about the cross. The Lord Jesus was preaching about the cross here in Luke chapter nine. Paul in first Corinthians chapter one tells us the power of God is in preaching and specifically the preaching of the cross. He mentions Jesus talks about us believers taking up our cross daily and following him. That's preaching about the cross. So no, it's not talking just about salvation, although it does include salvation for Christians taking up the cross and being willing to die to self and live for the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is communicated through preaching. It's through preaching that God communicates with power. God gives power to Christians who will take up the cross and preaching helps to transfer this power of God to the Christians. This means that the Bible preaching from the pulpit of our church is absolutely part of power. God will give to the Christian a certain power through the preaching. Now I'd like to remind you that on Wednesday nights, we have been studying about wisdom and the seven pillars of wisdom. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And the seventh pillar is power. We called it strength, but essentially it's power. Part of wisdom is power. Listen, just to take a little commercial here, listen carefully. This Wednesday, God willing, we're going to now take another major step into Proverbs. I want to invite you be here seven o'clock. Get here early seven o'clock. Start with the singing. Prepare your heart for the word of God and for the prayer and then for the word of God. We're going to look at things on Wednesday concerning wisdom 
and the things involved. What, what's, who is living in the house of wisdom? We're going to find out what's out behind the house of wisdom. We're going to find out and we're going to find out something else that you probably never saw. And it has to do with foolishness. There is such a thing as the house of foolishness. We're going to look at that. But right now I'm telling you this, that the preaching of the word of God from the pulpit of our church is God's way of helping to transfer into your life power, power over the world, power over this flesh, power over the devil. It comes through preaching. Number three, the preaching of God's word at our church will help you to prosper, prosper. I'm not talking about this health and welfare gospel business, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. I'm not talking about that kind of nonsense where they say, God, help me to win the lotto. And then you go out and buy tickets on that. Not talking about any such nonsense like that. Oh my one day it's burning within me folks. But one day I'm going to cut loose on some of this charismatic junk that's happening, but not today. I got to restrain myself, but the preaching of God's word at our church will help you to prosper. Now for this, I'd like you to turn to the old Testament book of Ezra, the old Testament book of Ezra. So it's in the latter end of um, uh, the Bible. Oh, no, what am I saying? I'm sorry. Ezra. Oh, still thinking about those charismatics. <laughs> Ezra. No, sorry. You want to get back around after the Chronicles and uh, uh, we've got uh, Ezra. Then comes uh, Nehemiah. There we go. And there we go. Okay. Oh, my. Let's go to chapter six. Ezra chapter six. Ezra chapter six. Now, um, Ezra was a bit of a, a prophet, a preacher. I had that in my mind and that's why I, I think I made that mistake. Now, here we find that the Jews had returned from exile in Babylon. They'd been there 70 long years and they were told by God to rebuild the temple. That was their commission and their job. But times were tough. They were getting persecuted by some of the, the heathen around them. There was a lot of rubble that had to be cleared away. And so they got discouraged. Times were tough, difficult times. And so they put aside the building of the house of God. They set it to one side and instead they started to build their own houses and panel them and try to build nice cushy lives for themselves. And so in about 520 BC, God sent a prophet named Haggai. Now Haggai is at the end of the new Testament and Haggai is one of the minor prophets. Haggai went to the people and he preached to them. Haggai, the book of Haggai is only two chapters long. It's only two chapters. And in chapter one, Haggai preaches to the Jews about their neglect of God and God's will. 
They were neglecting to do God's will. And so what was happening? They were suffering. God was sending them suffering. And so the people repented and they got busy for God and God started to prosper the people. Haggai preached. The people repented and started living for God. And then God prospered the people. You say, how do we know God prospered the people? Well, this is why we need to be in Ezra chapter six, because about 70 years goes by now after Haggai, approximately 70 years. Ezra comes along and in chapter six and verse 14, Ezra wrote, and the elders of the Jews builded and they, what's that next word? Prospered. They prospered through the prophesying. And what's another word for prophesying? Preaching. The preaching of Haggai, the prophet. The people prospered because of the preaching of Haggai, the prophet. Does this mean God's going to give me millions and millions of dollars? No. God's not going to help you win the lotto ticket either. God's not going to give you too much because that'll corrupt you. But God will prosper you. He'll prosper you at work. He'll prosper you at home. He'll prosper you in your marriage. He'll prosper you with your children. He'll prosper you in your service for him, your ministries. He'll prosper you in your health. I say that guardedly, but it's done. It comes through the preaching of God's word. Do you understand the necessity? What I'm driving at here today. How can we as the people of God prosper by sitting under the preaching of God's word Sitting under Bible preaching from our church once a week is not enough for your soul. If all you do is tune in Sunday morning, well, at least that's something and praise God for it. But I'm suggesting to you Sunday morning, Sunday evening and Wednesday night, you will triple the effect that God has for you. And it comes through the preaching. You'll get the maximum spiritual benefits of growth and of power and of prosperness. I'm not going to say prosperity because boy, that word's been terribly abused, hasn't it? But to a certain degree, if we understand it biblically, God will prosper you. I want to put before you today, something that I'm not sure I've ever put before you before. And I call it the preaching challenge. Now you've heard of this ice challenge where they throw ice water on their head. I think one of them was a cinnamon challenge where they eat a, a handful of cinnamon. That's crazy. Or uh, someone has bit the, uh, the tide pod, the little thing you throw in your washing machine. You know, they've had some crazy, crazy challenges. Don't do those ones. But here's a good challenge for you. The preaching challenge. 
I want to challenge you with the preaching challenge for the month of March. This week starts the month of March. We begin March. I want you to decide to sit under the preaching from our pulpit Sunday morning, Sunday evening and Wednesday and see for yourself, see for yourself in one month. If there's not more growth and more power and more prosperness in your life, boy, I want you to come tonight. I want you to come tonight. Brother Ivan is preaching. I've read his sermon. It's exciting. It'll speak to your heart. He's done a great job. Come tonight, six o'clock. But there's one last benefit of preaching. I want to remind you of before we close today. And that's the preaching of God's word at our church will give you salvation. Our Lord Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse five, he said, the poor have the gospel preached to them. The poor here refers to the poor in spirit. And it means humble people. That's what it means. It's humble people who will hear the preaching of the gospel. It's humble people who will listen to God's offer of mercy. And those are the ones who will enter into the family of God. And those are the ones who will get to heaven. Proud people never get saved. Humble people do. And the preaching of God's word at our church will give you salvation. If you're a humble man or woman, my friend, are you a humble person? Will you repent of your sins and trust in the mercy and in the love of God to forgive you your sins? You need to go to him in prayer. I did this almost 46 years ago. I confessed to him my sin. I asked Jesus to forgive my sins, to come into my life, into my heart and be my savior, to take me to heaven when I die. And you know what? He did. He did. And he'll do the same for you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Our loving heavenly father, we thank you for this amazing thing called preaching. We thank you that through preaching, you've done some unbelievably wonderful things. And we pray you would continue to do those wonderful things. Father, I pray that every person connected with our church would take up the preaching challenge. And unless they're working at work and they can't, They can't get to their computer and watch the service, or maybe they can, but if they can't possibly get to our, our service, help them to take up the challenge Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday for one month. And father, I pray if there be any man, woman, or young person who's not yet received Jesus Christ as personal savior, they would not wait. They would right now in their heart of hearts, Confess Christ. Pray to Jesus. Ask Jesus to save their soul right now. And Father will give you the thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.